Hi, and a big welcome to another episode of Laughter and Lunges with your hosts, Catherine and Sarah. Thanks for taking the time to listen to us today. We would love it if you could rate, follow and share the podcast so that it can reach even more ears. Here's today's episode. We are now live and everybody is hearing us chat about Duffman. I know. Hi, Faisal. Good morning to you. Welcome. He, he is here. I'm here too. How so are you, that Sarah? I pardon. <laughs> How are you, Sarah? <laughs> oh, delightful, as you well know. I'm doing. Yeah, I'll be honest. I'm a little bit under the weather at the moment, but I am. Oh. I'm here. I'm also here. I'm showing up. But you might have to bear with me if I have to run, run away. <laughs> run away. Kara is also saying morning. Sharon is saying good morning, guys. Sharon, I hope you're not feeling too rough today. Mm, too um, sleep deprived. Faisal says I was worried, thought it wasn't happening. No, the live is definitely happening. And actually, the reason we're a few minutes late isn't because of Sarah. It's because of me. <laughs> it's not because of me, guys. It is not because of me. <laughs> Sarah's mishaps no it was me because I had to kick the kittens out kick kick the kittens out of the room I very silly silly stupidly thought that they would settle down and that wasn't the case Maisie was trying to climb up the blind and then I was like this is enough so they've been banished to the living room wow so otherwise tough tough morning for the kittens Dawn says morning Sharon says that she's in bed Dawn oh nice and Sharon also says get well soon thank you Sharon how very kind of you (laughs) I may well be in bed shortly after this (laughs) (laughs) well we have quite a few questions don't we to get we do which is actually we sure have we should probably start on those that might help me to get like in gear as well so this this will be fun bit of an odd question but when running in colder weather is it best to still wear long sleeves or leggings Last week I went last week I ran park run and I was the only one in vest and shorts. It's just I get so hot when I start running. However, my skin is cold to the touch. Oh, do you want to start off on this? Because I know that you you sent me like an infographic and I haven't I'm like looking at it right now. <laughs> yeah, I think this is this is a really interesting one actually, because I do think in the cold weather you do see a lot more variety in what people tend to be wearing when it comes to running than you do when it's warmer weather. Although you will have people who are like suns out, tops off, that kind of thing, or taps off, as I learned from you guys in Scotland previously. But I know for me personally, as it gets colder, if I'm running... Oh, what was that? That was was me just hitting the... Um, the microphone I'm so sorry I thought a cat had tried to like break in through the door or something like it's amazing um so yeah once it gets a lot colder I get to the point where if I don't wear leggings it's not enjoyable for me so I think there's a lot of things to sort of take into account here obviously if you're going to be running sort of below freezing which is probably quite common in this country then you might want some sort of leggings on and maybe some base layers maybe even a hat's going to be quite important for um ensuring that you're not kind of losing heat through your head um for me as well like a neck warmer or like a a snood is really helpful because I find that I get the cold on my chest so I'll end up sort of coughing quite a lot 
and but I know that this is really personal preference because I know as I'm saying all of this that I indeed layer up like an onion as I go out for a run in the winter months young Hannah Chops tends to still go out in shorts doesn't she yeah she all year round she'll wear the same or not <laughs> she obviously washes the, <laughs> the clothing in between the runs it's but one she'll wear the same. yeah yeah <laughs> so I think I mean I think she, Hannah's joined live but she can tell us otherwise or if she's got any advice and pop it in the comments but she always runs in um a t-shirt and shorts no matter the time of the year um but she that's what she does and that's her preference and it works for her and I think that's the thing it it works for her and that's her preference I think other things I would be taking into account is how warm your muscles feel as you're going out for that run are you sort of warm enough that you're not going to kind of injure yourself um equally if you are running outside and you were to I don't know I've got underdog lawyers in my head now as I'm about to say this like if you slip trip or fall when you're out are you going to be warm enough you know if you have to kind of um hobble backward backwards hobble back you don't have to go back home backwards although that would be a feat so I think it is it is really personal preference but I think layering up and having layers and a choice of layers personally is something that I find really quite helpful um because once you're running as you said like you do get quite hot and you might want to take off some of those layers so um yeah I think it is it is mainly personal preference but I probably would wear a hat Mm -hmm. yeah I think that those are really important considerations aren't they like you've said is that if you do trip or injure yourself whilst you're out on the run or you have to stop running for any reason are you going to be safe and are you going to be able to be warm enough like for from the point of stopping to then getting home um maybe you plan ahead and you know that there's somebody at home who can come and pick you up in the car if you're you know miles away from home and there's no way for you to get back and also (laughs) be warm enough so I suppose there's like the safety element of that when it comes to more kind of in the winter months um Hannah's also saying that she adds gloves in the winter those are essential totally agree from the very little I forgot gloves but yeah definitely the little amount of running that I do like if I if I'm running in the winter I have to wear gloves because my hands get really cold but then that's like at the start of the run and later on in the run they tend to get quite warm so sometimes I might have to take the gloves off or you know the running tops that you can get where you tuck your thumb into like a hole yeah. and it kind of acts a little bit like a glove sometimes I have that and then I'll untuck my hands when they get warm um totally a yeah. personal preference make sure that you're trying to reduce the risk of injury as much as possible Definitely. And I think layers, layers, layers to quote the Jonas Brothers are really important here. Mm -hmm. Totally agree. But let us know how you get on. If you're still not sure, then like just just say maybe you could experiment if you're not quite sure what your preferences would be. Agreed. Happy with that one? Yeah. Amazeballs. Okay, let's let's go for this one. Would love to understand a bit more about how lack of sleep impacts on you, more about the physiology rather than behavioural stuff around grabbing quick energy fixes. I'm not doing the auto cue, so I will not read the rest of this. (laughs) Okay. Mm, It's quite a lot to unpack, isn't there, in this one, I think, in terms of like physiological responses to not getting adequate sleep 
um I was looking like I was looking at what optimal sleep is supposed to be. So I think that's mm. somewhere between seven and nine hours as, as like a range, but then the average optimal sleep time, if you look at the population as an average, remember you might not fall into this because not everybody is bang on average is seven and a half hours. So I think like understanding where that range lies and where you might be having insufficient sleep is good to understand and equally what we don't want you doing is listening to our answer here and stressing out about the fact that you're not getting enough sleep and then feeling stressed because of that, knowing that you, there's not much that you can change to get more sleep, for example. Like there might be some people listening who have very young kids that keep them up at night and we don't want them feeling worse listening to this because they're like, well, I know I can only get like five hours sleep, four hours sleep a night. Um, so kind of wanted to like caveat before we start answering with that. Yeah, agreed. I think it it's another thing that really does vary from person to person. Obviously, during different stages of your life as well, what would be classed as sort of the optimum amount of sleep tends to change as we age as well. So taking that into consideration too, and also your energy demands in the day, that's going to impact it. So there is a lot that impacts what is the sort of more optimal amount of sleep for you, I guess. And even within this question, obviously, the behavioural stuff kind of around grabbing quick energy fixes, a lot of that will be down more to the physiology, which I know is what you've asked in this question, but how the physiology then impacts our actions and, and the outcomes. Yeah, you're totally right. So even looking at like your food choices, they're going to be impacted by changes in hormones that are impacted by lack of sleep. Um, so what, what we tend to see is that even people who have been sleep deprived for like one day, I think some of these studies are like five days or something, but mm. levels of ghrelin increase and ghrelin is our hunger hormone. And that signals to our brain that we're feeling hungry. And then that kind of is what brings about certain, you know, feelings of hunger, whether that's stomach rumbling, whether that's you thinking about food, whether that's you, like your, your appetite increasing or your desire to eat increases that's the impact that ghrelin has physiologically but then we know that that then i suppose trickles into a behavioral response because we can choose to ignore those hunger signals if we really really wanted to we could just be like no i'm not going to actually eat so actually when it comes down to it it's the behavior that drives the the eating um and increased calorie consumption there um as a result of lack of sleep agreed and because you mentioned sort of hormones there you've also got kind of cortisol that can be sort of elevated too with sort of sleep deprivation and again with that being a stress hormone that might also impact or well, one our kind of levels of stress and anxiety generally day to day which can impact then what we choose to eat but it might might also then impact things like our emotional regulation so our ability to be sort of, I guess, more less reactive to things that happen in the day and to cope with those and to deal with those, it might mean that we become, and not always, we might be more irritable, we might be more prone to sort of feeling lower in mood as well. But because of these sort of hormone changes too, that can then impact, as Catherine said, then behaviorally what we tend to do. You know, if we're tired, we might have less energy which then might mean that we're less likely to go out and 
socialize and to do those things that do help us to feel better or to do those things that help to reduce our stress whether that's exercise or talking to a friend so again as much as there's that physiological level to it it then can impact what we do and and in turn then impact how we feel as well mm-hmm. it's mostly factorial isn't it and I know that the person that asked this question has said would love to understand a bit more about how lack of sleep impacts you I suppose like that's very general and rather than it being specific to like how it impacts fat loss or how it impacts um, muscle building. There's also things to consider like brain health. So we know that uh, a consequence of lack of sleep would be um, negative impacts on things like learning, memory, Mm. recall. Um, So there's that side of it as well. It's not just like the physical side of it but also how our brain actually operates and you made a good point we were talking about this before we came on the podcast Sarah you made a good point about I know this person's goal like their primary goal is muscle building and Mm. strength increases and if you're not getting enough sleep you're then having a negative impact on you know your recovery in between your sessions we know that sleep is really important for that time for muscles to repair themselves in between the workouts agreed and yeah I think definitely that sort of time to sort of go away for ourselves to kind of grow and repair is is really important I was just thinking then as well about when you'd said about the kind of cognitive sort of impairments with sort of memory and learning I think one of the common things that comes up with sort of the a lot of sleep studies as well is like the reaction time so often like sleep deprivation or lack of sleep can slow down our reaction times and they they usually do studies with sort of driving don't they and how quick we are to react with things like that um but I sort of think of that from my own personal experience in terms of things in the gym I find with sort of lack of sleep I guess with that loss of sort of concentration and being able to react to things the amount of times I've walked into a loaded barbell and smacked my head off it or something and as I've said that I've genuinely just felt that pain in my head um which also doesn't help with memory (laughs) no it's so true and actually saying about pain sometimes people who are sort of more sleep deprived might have like a lower pain threshold as well and like increased sensitivity to pain um again what the mechanism of that is I'm not too sure but I know that that's something that can often happen um we have sort of that lower pain threshold as well so when I did smack my head off that barbell it it hurt a hell of a lot more (laughs) that's so interesting I didn't know that I wonder if that links in with like how hard you can push yourself or the, you know, the intensity of your workouts as well. Um, oh, this reminds me of a conversation that Hannah and I had ages ago about, you know, the quote, no pain, no gain when it comes to exercise in the gym. Yeah. And I really just don't like that saying. And then Hannah's argument was, you know, like you kind of do go through a feeling of disc- what, pain, discomfort when you're training. If you're training hard, you're training intensely, kind of is a version of pain, um and I just find like that the point that you made there about pain threshold reducing does that then mean that yeah we we don't as well as having a maybe a lower motivation to train and having less energy does that mean that you know you don't get quite as many reps in because you give up before you would have done when you had enough sleep like yeah you maybe you do 10 reps instead of 15 reps at a certain weight and 
yeah, you give up because you're like, this is, this is too uncomfortable and it feels more uncomfortable. And maybe that is like, a oh, what am I like? That's like amplified that discomfort. Agreed. Yeah. I think it's so multifaceted, I guess, like you said, there could be the pain aspect, but there could also be the general sort of fatigue lacking in energy aspect as well. So that it all kind of is a big mixing pot of sort of different things. And I think, I guess with all of this, with sort of lack of sleep, it's really important to remember that sort of short term changes in our sleep probably aren't going to have like a massive impact on our general sort of physiology sort of long term. Um, It's more those kind of longer lasting periods. And again, it's so personal and it will impact individuals differently because your normal already looks different to what someone else is normal and um, I think the more that you can just sort of prioritize good sleep hygiene I love always love that that's what it's called but it sounds really weird what, doesn't it it does I know but it, honestly that is a like it's a genuine intervention is called sleep hygiene um yeah that's something else for another day but I think the more that you can sort of prioritize that and what that looks like for you again being realistic with what that looks like for you that's going to be the most important thing for sort of maintaining good sleep hygiene (laughs) I just wanted to say it again for like longer term I'm laughing because I was just looking so before we come on the podcast I'll make like little notes like bullet points just so I remember to mention things when we're chatting about like around some of these questions and my notes on my laptop has changed ghrelin to gherkin. <laughs> <laughs> I love a gherkin. Gherkin and leptin hormones. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, I just thought I'd have to share that then. Thank you, friend. No problem. Sharon says, my chin-ups were definitely lower after a few too many birthday fizzes and restless sleep yesterday. Oh, we've not sung happy birthday on the podcast. We won't do that, don't worry. We won't subject you to that. I think it was Faisal's birthday this week as well. So shout out to Faisal. Kept that one quiet. Happy birthday. Just turn them inside out. Oh, this is in reply to something earlier. I was really confused about what was being turned inside out. (laughs) The chin ups or something. Um, Are we happy with that one? Yeah, Let's, let's do it. So I will get the next question up because I'm here um, and I'm going to read it. When do you suggest you do your heaviest on your working sets, the first set of reps or go heavier as you progress? Tar. I'm just reading this again. So I'm making sense of that last bit, the first set of reps. So do you oh, go right, okay. heavier at the beginning? So when you're doing your first sets or do you go heavier at the end of your like your final sets I like this question to set this a little bit there's like there are there are a couple of different well there's quite a lot of different ways that we can organize sets in your workouts um you could have four sets of 10 reps for example but we quite like to change the way that we get you doing sets so that you're not just doing like four sets of 10 for every single exercise because not only can that get a little bit boring it also means you're not altering the rep ranges that you're doing and that means potentially you're not kind of pushing yourself as hard as you could or experimenting with different weights so 
the reason that we adjust the rep ranges within like one exercise or one workout is so that you can try different weights and you can push yourself a little bit harder and you can work within different reps. So a couple of ways that we can do this is what we call like pyramid set. And this can kind of go one of two ways can start off with the reps lower. And then on the second set, get a little bit higher, third set, a little bit higher, et cetera, et cetera. So you might do like four sets. First set is eight, then 10, then 12, then 15, for example, or you can do that in reverse and you can start with the reps higher and then you can drop the weight as you go through the sets. So I would say, again, like a lot of things, it depends and we quite like to utilize both of those different things, don't we? And I think there's there's pros and cons to doing each of those. So say, for example, your first exercise of the workout, maybe you're you, like potentially if you hadn't warmed up, what we don't want you doing is going to a big compound movement, doing like your heaviest, your heaviest set, working at your highest intensity at the highest weight for the lowest reps right at the very beginning of a workout if you're not warm. So just to caveat that, if you've done a decent warm up beforehand and you're like ready to go, then that in some instances, that can be a good idea. But I think generally we probably wouldn't start you on like a really low rep range and high weight at the very beginning. Um, yeah. Unless you say done like a couple of warm up sets before that. Yeah, I agree. I think what I like about varying it up is exactly as you said it allows I think it allows you to really get to grips with what you can actually lift I think sometimes when you do sort of straight sets you might underestimate really what you can actually lift so if you're doing like with some of the workouts I know we've done like 10 8 I think 6 6 maybe from memory um or 12 10 8 6 but what that allows is you can pitch that you can say if you've managed eight reps at a set weight and you think Do you know what I've actually got quite a bit more left in me that was fairly easy you can then up that weight and over those sort of that course of weeks that you're doing that you can really work out where that strength marker is for you where that sort of lies and then it could be that we have a period of doing straight sets once you're sort of more aware of where you fall within that range um, and I think it really depends, again, whereabouts you are within your workout. I think adding in things like you said, Catherine, sort of some of those pyramid sets or even drop sets in particular, where you're kind of working your way maybe down like the weight stack. They're things that are really great on sort of more maybe like isolation exercises and adding in towards the end of a session for like variety, really, and to keep it a bit interesting. I think often with this sort of question as well, it really sort of depends on your goals. If you really are just training purely for strength, then yeah, you're probably going to be wanting to be hitting your heavier sets at the beginning of your workout, at the beginning of those sets, because you want to be getting the most in terms of weight lifted and strength out of those earlier sets. If you're more focused maybe on hypertrophy, then sort of that progressively kind of heavier approach and working sort of your heaviest towards the end of the sets might allow you to kind of maximize that like stimulation of the muscle over those multiple sets, regardless of maybe going for that kind of straight set approach. But I think 
the one thing that goes across all of these and you touched upon it Catherine as well with making sure you're warmed up is like the form and the technique so if you're warm if you're adequately warm and you're doing heavier sets at the beginning that's absolutely fine but I guess with the progressively heavier approach it does allow you to make sure that you are warm by the time that you're lifting those heavier weights as well um yeah yeah I think that's such a good like all those points that you said there were amazing and going back to the if if like your main focus is increasing like your absolute strengths then starting heavier and dropping the reps and uh, increasing the reps and dropping the weight as you move through the sets is probably going to be like the optimal way to approach it and the reason for that is that you're going to be fatiguing your muscles as you work through the sets so if you started on I don't know say like 12 was your maximum reps and then like six was the minimum that you were aiming for with the heaviest weight by the time you get to the six at the end of all those say four sets your muscle is going to be more fatigued and therefore maybe there's not going to be the space or the energy in order to work as intensely and with as much weight as if you'd have flipped that on its head and done the six reps first mm. um yeah yeah so as like most of these questions really it does depend but I think it's great that there's that much variety that we can add to your training because we often will say like a lot of the exercises that we program don't tend to change too much. Like the the basics, like the core movements are the core movements for a reason. So the fact that we can play around with sort of different rep ranges, different sets and different ways of programming those allows us to add that variety in while still keeping those core movements that are going to kind of maximize your results within the program as well love it awesome next question let's do it should fruit and vegetables be tracked Ooh, i was going to say it depends i'm not going to leave it there though don't worry oh, you was, next i was wondering your answer on this one actually because we talked about this before but actually i didn't get your your answer yeah it's a good question so i think first and foremost looking at just tracking in general and your goal so as an example if your goal is fat loss you do not have to track calories you don't have to track your food your macronutrients in order to lose fat it's a method of you monitoring to see if you are you know close to a calorie deficit um but in terms of like your fruit and vegetables if i was if i was working with a client and setting up their targets and the method that we were using um to create a calorie deficit was aiming for a calorie target by tracking food i would also say to that person if they hadn't ever tracked before i would say to them yeah let's track your fruit and vegetables now what i wouldn't want them doing is you know putting lettuce leaves and cucumber and tomato and kiwis on a scale I don't know why I just picked those random fruits and vegetables <laughs> they're like ones that I eat all the time <laughs> I wouldn't want you putting them on a scale and weighing them you could take a rough estimate of how much is there I don't know like a how much does an apple weigh 100 grams no 80 grams I mean grams, if you whatever. if you're using 
my fitness pal it will usually give you like one apple like a medium-sized apple yeah yeah so you can I think you can safely say that estimating the weights of fruits and vegetables is okay but I would I would definitely get you tracking it if you're I would get you tracking everything that you're consuming um however what I would say is that the usefulness or one of the usefulnesses of tracking comes from it helping you create consistent habits. So the argument that I would say against what I've just said is that if your, if your habits around eating fruits and vegetables and all everything else in your diet is consistent, say you don't start off tracking fruits and vegetables, but you track everything else, you can still achieve fat loss without having tracked those fruits and vegetables if you're consistent with that over time, um, then yeah, I feel like I maybe haven't explained that quite as succinctly and in as much detail as I would like, but hopefully that makes sense. Yeah. I think, I think that does make sense. Again, I don't have a lot to add to that. I, I guess it is, it, as you said, it does depend. And I would agree with everything you've said there. Some people I've, worked with we haven't tracked fruit and veg so they've been tracking calories but we haven't tracked fruit and veg because again we've wanted to make sure that it's not something they're subbing out to add in other things so you know you're choosing to have a packet of crisps over having maybe a banana or something well actually I'd I'd quite like and, and that person's struggling to get fruit and veg in then it might be like well we won't track that and will get as Catherine says consistent on eating those sort of the fruit and veg and if that's sort of consistent and the other things we can alter the other things around the fruit and veg as well so it's it's a method and I think yeah to say like a blanket statement of it should always be tracked is probably incorrect because again it depends where you are on your tracking journey (laughs) and also I guess like your history and your current sort of dietary preferences and your current dietary habits I really think it does need that all taken into account as well I love what you said about the if you're tracking fruits and vegetables as part of your overall target so say for example you had a calorie target and macronutrient targets but you didn't have a fruit and vegetable target then we are, I've seen this before with clients is that they they generally then eat less fruits and vegetables because they just think oh well you know it fits my macros so I'm going to have these things because I'm still hitting my calorie target I'm still hitting my protein target so that's that's fine and then you're subbing out those things with higher nutritional values and lots of vitamins and minerals in them for other things that maybe aren't quite as nutritious um yeah so yeah, I think for me it is it is a real a real it depends. And I've worked both ways before where I've worked with clients where we've had calorie targets, but we haven't tracked vegetables and fruit as part of that. And I've had it the opposite where we have and both have been effective. It really just depends on the individual and as I said, history, relationship with food, and yeah, I think all of what we've probably said already. Faisal's got a question here. Does some veg lend themselves to tracking more than others, i.e. potatoes? Yeah. That's a good point. So I suppose when we when we look at like different fruits and vegetables, different fruits and vegetables will have different energy densities to them. 
Um, so I'm, you know, in terms of maybe vegetables that are generally higher in calories than others, you know, like a potato has got more calories in it than the same weight of as like spinach, for example. Um, however, what I would say is with something like potatoes, it's likely harder to overeat on potatoes than it is bread, for example. Potatoes are generally quite satiating carbohydrate source. Um, but I, that's a good point. Again, that's another consideration is like where, what vegetables are you eating? And if it's potatoes yes. and maybe you do want to be tracking that because they are generally higher in calories than other vegetables. Such a good point. And I think that's the thing in my head. I never class oh, a potato as a vegetable and, uh, it is a vegetable, but it, it might, count, it, yeah. yeah. And again, that's where you, you would specify with, with each individual. Cause with that, then you'd be looking at things like, are you tracking parsnips? Are you tracking carrots? Which again, are like a, a starchier veg aren't they so they are sort of more calorific but it really does depend on an individual I think sort of basis and as you said with a lot of clients that I guess within the group that are probably tracking they will be tracking everything based on sort of the information that we've had when they've sort of signed up and and around that as well so yeah I think you know, it was oh sorry that's right no go on you know, it was interesting. Um, I put up a question box on my Instagram yesterday and it was asking people like some of the worst nutrition advice that they'd heard. And a few times things like um, Weight Watchers and Slimming World came up, you know how they do like free, free points or free foods. And they'll have a list of foods that don't contain any like sins or points which is essentially like oh these are kind of alluding to these are like I suppose calorie free foods we know they're not mm. but it's like a, you can eat as much of these foods as you'd like within your diet and they don't count towards your overall point score and actually like I think you know you can kind of this that and be like oh that's stupid because we know that all foods contain calories and every calorie counts and that's true but with the foods that they kind of list there generally they tend to be foods that are much harder to overeat on like most people aren't gaining weight or we don't have an obesity crisis because people are overeating on fruits and vegetables like we're overeating highly processed highly caloric foods um, rather than those foods that are listed as like free foods or sin-free foods. Um, yeah. People talking about potatoes now. So versatile, right? Dawn oh, says, potatoes. Mm, I love potatoes. Sharon, I could smash a chip butter right now. Or a crisp it... sandwich. Oh. oh, I don't know. I'm not sure about the crisp what? sandwich. No. no. Sarah, so when... um. Hannah and I were at a wedding the other month we like got back from the wedding and we were really hungry and we had crisp sandwiches and they were delightful you know like just white bread butter crisps oh, what so, were the crisp, so good. crisps of choice I think they were because we were in Spain they were just like a ready salted crisp oh no there was one where we had um like tortilla chips that oh. was good that was really nice <laughs> Oh, no, I don't know. Just I feel that's like quite flaggy in the mouth. <laughs> what a Just, bit like, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's not doing it for me today. Maybe on another day. Sorry, but Sarah. not a lot of food is doing it for me today, to be fair. 
Would you like to move on? Yes, let's let's uh let's Should we do one on one more question. Okay. Shall I I'll just go for the next question on the list? Yeah. What actions do you take to soothe yourself when your mood is low? Ooh. It's a, it's a very good question. I like this one. I don't know whether this person's looking for ideas or maybe they're curious about what we do. Mm, I know that like since getting I feel like I talk about the kittens a lot, don't I? But since <laughs> Have you getting got kittens? The, yeah. Do you want me to bring them through? We could do a show and tell. <laughs> oh, please, please do. Since getting the kittens, it's just I realized it's like giving them a bit of fuss and love is having like a little cuddle or having them sat on my lap purring or some like reading or something it's just there's something really comforting about it mm. and I find that really was the question about stress no it wasn't about stress relief was it, it was about soothing yourself when your mood is low I find that yeah is really nice oh know, yeah it's just quite I find it quite um I don't know, I feel like it puts things into perspective because I'll look at the kitten and be like, you're not worried about these things that I'm worried about. You're just here and you just want to sleep and eat and be loved. (laughs) They're very, they're very present. I think that's what I love because I get that too with Otis. I often think exactly the same. He's just sitting there peaceful, sleeping, and he's... uh, the same like just so easily pleased it's it's really nice so yeah I think having a little cuddle with him is is definitely up there for me they do really live in the moment don't they yeah I notice it with with the kittens when they're running around the flat playing one second they'll be doing like one thing and then they just get distracted by something that's they're running past and then they start playing with that it's just like kids isn't it they're just so present and I think we can learn a lot from kids and animals (laughs) (laughs) But they say don't work with them, but yeah. you can learn a lot from them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I think for me, another one is going for a walk or being outside in nature. I know for me, that personally is something I really might not feel like doing it. I really might not want to get out of the house or do that thing. But I know that it is something from past experience that I feel better for doing it and that's something I really do try and do, even if it will be to walk to the end of the road and back. For me, then I'll get, I've been outside and had some fresh air, but also that sort of sense of achievement that I've done something when I've really felt like I don't want to do anything. So I think being in nature and being active in nature is something that I really do value. And yeah, for me, that definitely has a massive benefit for my sort of mood. Oh, I love that. I find exactly the same getting out in nature. Um, I'm sure there's sure there's like research on on that getting out in nature and it being like uplifting and benefiting mood and mental health. Yeah, green therapy is is a real thing that is offered in a lot of places because of the the benefit of it for for our mood. Definitely, it it is, and I'm sure there's studies that say even sort of. 10 minutes of activity is enough to kind of give us a boost and and improve our mood and like causes sort of changes within the brain that that impact our move in a move our mood in a positive way 
I think as well when when we do think of sort of soothing ourselves always a good thing to kind of fall back on if you're looking for ideas is to think of the senses I always think this is a really good way to sort of think so if this is where I always miss a sense out but like think of things that you like seeing things that you like hearing smelling tasting which one have I missed touching touching so <laughs> so you know that but that could be I'm, I'm sure last week there was someone who said they were gonna get like under a comfy blanket or as you said sort of sitting with the kittens and sort of stroking them and it might be things like putting on a film that you like or calling a friend and having a talk with a friend or listening to music it might be having a hot cup of tea or having something like a meal that really does bring you comfort so thinking of kind of the senses and drawing that into sort of ways that you can kind of soothe yourself I think is a really useful way to think of ideas of things that help you to sort of feel better whether you're feeling sort of lower in mood or whether you're feeling stressed come back to those senses and and work out what comes under those categories for you can really really be useful what amazing advice I like that I'm gonna remember that like the um the point you made about phoning a friend so like the hearing aspect of that you know like Mm. the sense of like hearing the sound of someone familiar or hearing someone's voice I think along with that comes like the connection doesn't it and like kind of a bit one of the elements of self of self-compassion or compassion is like common humanity and feeling connected to somebody else and sometimes when you talk through so say for example there's a certain like problem that you're worried about or and that's the thing that is making you feel down actually talking that through with someone else whether that's a friend whether it's a colleague whether it's a partner a kitten no I'm joking not a kitten because they can't talk back um it it brings like a potentially you know they're like oh you know I've I've struggled with that or I can relate to that and sometimes knowing that you're not the only one feeling that way even though sometimes you think I am the only one feeling that way and it feels very real at the time being like oh okay I'm actually not alone in these feelings or these worries can bring about such a sense of relief I think massively I know in the past with within my work within mental health often when sort of having that first appointment with a client they obviously come and they explain what's been going on for them and how they've been feeling and you know they've they've not spoken to anyone about it before and then after sort of having that moment where they've been brave they've been vulnerable with you they've gone away and they've maybe spoken to a friend or someone else and and then they've come back the next week and kind of said they've done this and they're like well that that person said yeah I have felt like that or yeah I've struggled with this too and that as you said that sort of common humanity and and recognizing we're not alone in that is is so so powerful and yeah it can can really be useful for just giving us that sense of okay this is normal you know it's normal to have times where we do feel a bit lower it's normal to have times where we feel a bit more stressed and and that help and support is out there as well, whether that is a friend or whether that's services too. So I think remembering that can be really useful as well. The other one that we forgot to add into the reaching out to a friend, a partner, a colleague, the group. Amen to that. The Hell Empowered yeah. and Eight group. 
it's a delightful delightful environment to reach out to for sure there's always someone with a cheery gift or just to to listen to have a rant to yeah it's great it's is, is a really nice place to be sure is we have some questions to come back to we won't get through them all today because there's loads which is incredible so i'm very excited for us to come back and answer the rest of them um so we'll put up a time for our next live in the group once we've organized that um we have put a poll up in the group with some options of times for the next group call as well so make sure you vote on that um if you can come along that would be incredible and i think that's it sure is yeah i don't think i've got anything to add to that ck all good in the head i did want to just shout out to cara who's with me on uh crisps on sandwiches is not is an is a no crisps are far too good on their own i would second that crisps on their own are just the bomb love crisps would you um (laughs) if you were to opt for a snack would it would you prefer to opt for a sweet or savory snack are you like a which one generally savory I think Mm. although it it does change and it has changed a lot I would have always said savory but then now I do crave more sweet things at certain times but yeah generally I I am more a savory kind of gal same I used to be like a very sweet gal (laughs) (laughs) now you're just salty (laughs) yeah just salty bitter (laughs) (laughs) it's age it's what happens to us (laughs) yeah your taste definitely changes when I was a lot younger like when I was a kid and like a teenager I would you know opt for like the most sugary sweet sweets that I could get in the shop you know like a gobstopper or those really like sour sweets like those really disgusting ones I don't think atomic it was like atomic or toxic waste or something it was something like that and it was just vile Uh yeah yeah but now I'm more of a crisp kind of gal yeah same Doritos chili heat chili heat wave (laughs) oh they're they're one of Matt's faves flaming hot monster mincher are just (gasps) a lifelong bff for me do you bite the toes off of them yeah hell yeah what a way to be present like you know when we talk about sitting down and like really enjoying your food monster munch if you bite the toes yeah. off one at a time it makes you really savor it and enjoy it but anyway i don't think people need to know that so thank you very much for listening that was a lot of fun answering those questions um and one last thing is that sarah and i have decided to push back the start date of this incoming incoming upcoming upcoming intake <laughs> to the 6th of November instead of starting on the 23rd of October and one of the main reasons that we've done that is to make sure that you're gonna be supported throughout the festive period so if you want that extra accountability over Christmas then joining Empowered Innate means that we have got you covered absolutely um you can sign up by visiting www.empoweredinate.com or if you follow Sarah and I on Instagram, head to the link in our bio and you can find the sign up link right there at the top. Click that, join. And if you have any questions, do not yes, hesitate sir. to get in touch. Absolutely. We cannot wait to help you. And again, like Sarah says, we've got your backs covered over the Christmas period. Yeah, let's let's have some festive fun all together. Oh, maybe we can do like a little festive challenge or something. We can get we our thinking have done caps those on. before. We can definitely do that again. Hell yeah. I can't wait. I'm actually really excited for this round. And me. I was just hearing like 
jingle bells not the actual song but bells jingling in my head when we were talking about the c word so yeah i'm so up for this bring it. it you know what um i was in edinburgh city center yesterday and like there's some places have got their christmas lights and decorations up already like some of the bigger buildings and i was like what is going on but i also i was with hannah and we had like a hot drink a little coffee i had my pumpkin spice latte because i'm a basic biatch (laughs) (laughs) i still haven't had i have had one but not from that particular establishment yet (laughs) and i was like i feel really like i'm really excited Mm. for christmas and normally i'm just kind of like oh whatever like it's christmas but i was excited to get all like cozy and set up and it's gonna be kids first christmas oh and I think the vibe in the group over Christmas is just going to be awesome. Really fun as well. Oh, we can't wait for you guys to join. And with that, we shall leave you. Adios. Bye. <laughs>